to the Preacher and the Catcher podcast, a show designed to make you think. This isn't a religious show and neither is it a sports show, regardless of what the title might suggest. These are real conversations that everyone should be having. No topic is taboo and every perspective is explored. Now here's another great episode of The Preacher and the Catcher. It has been. I mean, I I don't even know where to begin. It's just yeah. it. I don't even know what to say. But well, let's set 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 the stage. What what happened? Just the time time stamp. What's going on right here? Well, well, how about we do this? How about I work from where we are, work at the end, and work our way back to the beginning. So, okay. Let's say congratulations to the new president-elect and vice president-elect, Joseph R. Biden and Kamala Harris on an historic victory to the presidency of the United, and vice presidency of the United States of America. Yeah, big, big history here. Big, big history made. I mean, just, just solidified yesterday. So we're, we're, we are recording this show on a Sunday afternoon a nice, beautiful, sunny Sunday afternoon here in uh, Detroit. Yeah. Uh, but I tell you, history was made on multiple levels this week. So let's go with Georgia. Georgia turns to a blue state, first time in a long, long time, solely because of one person, Stacey, Stacey Abrams. Abrams. I, I text someone and said, a whole lot of Stacey Abrams would aside of Barack Obama uh, because, yeah. because he, he helped the whole effort. That's right. He, he really did. I mean, right there at the end, right when it was needed yeah. to, to just kind of get people over the hump, get people over that edge. You cannot ignore the B.O. factor in this. But Stacey Abrams was incredible. Yeah, she was. Um, and, and this is but, right after... Right but after Georgia, her defeat, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, I, well, no. I want you to go ahead on there because I do also want to note that Georgia was not only the technical southern state to flip from red to blue. You know, I guess depending on how you look at it, Virginia was right there too. Some people consider Virginia right. a southern state. Right. <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, Stacey Abrams. The whole story is fascinating because she lost. Her, the governorship to the incumbent who did everything he could to suppress the vote and did all kinds of illegal stuff. But because we had an attorney general of the United States that was not going to enforce the laws and a president that was going to look the other way and, and actually encourage wrongdoing, um, she lost the governor governor's race. Uh, was that two years ago? And so what does she do? She turns around and really drives the, the Democrats to get out and register to get out and vote, and to really, um, to really have a huge impact on the presidential election without even being in the race, without even being an elected official, like that—that's that, right. even, I, you know, I right. think we miss. I think a lot, a lot of contexts, or a lot, a lot of contexts, we miss the fact that she is not even an elected official. That's right. But, but yet possesses the influence 
the 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 um, savviness to really rally people, galvanize people to really get out, vote, and really come around a common cause. And in this one, it was such a big common cause because it literally changes the trajectory of our entire nation. I enjoyed yesterday watching and listening to news coverage uh, that number one, didn't have Donald Trump's narcissism at its forefront. It's nice to see other stories take place, even though it's all still about politics, but we saw a celebration throughout the world. People on the streets dancing and celebrating this victory and just the change uh, of leadership in America. And really arguably for the first time in four years, actually having some leadership in America, uh, on the world stage, domestically with the coronavirus, racially, on every front. It's, it, it, was, it was amazing to watch the relief. I mean, I felt relief. I've been holding my breath for the last three days since the actual closing of the polls. You and me both. And then actually, actually you know, deciding, because there's a possibility that, you know, that Trump might have won. And, and we can get to it later, but I also want to talk about the 70 million people that somehow, somehow voted for this clown. Listen, let's not wait. Let's just jump right into it because in, in, in as, as historic as it is for Joe Biden, I mean, literally he received more votes than any other candidate in the history of presidential elections. Right. Um, but at the same token, this, this was not the landslide that some of us had hoped it would be. Right. This was not the complete pivot away, the turn away from one and turn to another. This was, this was close. Right. And, let, let me, let me, and, let me, and let me stop you right there. Yeah. The landslide, it should have been. Just look Absolutely. at every other election that's ever happened in our country. If you're truly evaluating job performance, this should have been a landslide victory. 100. On a racial front, on a, on a Russian uh, being uh, close with our enemy, being in, in with Russia completely all over the place, um, benefiting, profiting uh, money-wise for his business by the presidency. You're not supposed to do that. He's been impeached. The coronavirus effort, he has completely left. Admitted, just he stopped doing anything. Not that he did a whole lot in the beginning, with, but he disbanded the best chance we had of having some actual leadership to the coronavirus. Yeah, disbanded that crushes the the two doctors that are ahead of that, Fauci. Even more so, all these different fronts, and 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 politically, just the the, the missteps he had in the last three months. Just take that alone. He, this should have been a landslide if you are truly evaluating presidential performance. But because race is the most powerful thread in our nation, yet again, we see white women and white men turn the other way where race is not a game changer. Race is something that's acceptable and it's okay as long as I benefit and as long as I can keep my status quo. That was appalling. That disgusted me again. But it also answers the questions that we say, how many people in the United States are actually racist or actually enable racism? We got 70 million 
uh, votes here that says it's about 70 million because race is what this election came down to. You know, um, we have to pull up the stats here for everyone to see. Yeah. Because we're not making this stuff up here, people. Um, look at the demographic breakdown that we show you here um, from this is the uh, New York Times. Um, male, I mean, kind of split down the middle, 49, 48%, female, you know, 43 to 56, you know, for Biden. But when you really look at this, I mean, look at the black vote there. Right. 87% Joe Biden, 12% Donald Trump. Um, we did the the male the male female but i want to see uh do they have the and if and if you're just listening the benefit of, of watching us on video is that you actually get to see what it is that we're sharing here but um i was trying to see where is the one that show okay here it is here it is look at that look right. at that look at right. this right here what is your gender and racial ethnic heritage? 32% of, of the voter population male, 58 for Trump. 58% for Trump. White woman, 55. Like this right. was not the, the separating of, of the household as it were, as that, that we thought it would be. This is not the separating of the uh, uh, white suburban mom that we thought it would be. They right. were in lock step with this president. Absolutely. I, it is. And I had a conversation with a good friend of mine, uh, Anita Martinez, who's the head of the Latino, uh, a lot of Latino groups here and nonprofit groups here in Michigan. And I, I asked her, I asked her about the Latino vote. I said, I said, Hey, what, what do you think happened here? Because 20% of Latinos overall uh, voted for Trump. And she said a couple of interesting things. She said, look, in Cuba, the, the Cuban exiles, the Cuban, the folks from Cuba that came to live in Miami, because a lot of them came from Florida. A lot of the, the, the Latino vote was in Florida. And she said, there's a billion dollar campaign in Florida, specifically targeted towards Latinos. And a lot of them uh, went that way and kind of were influenced by the TV folks, because what the TV ads said, of course, is that the, the Biden and Harris are socialists, that somehow they're going to send you back to your home country, that somehow all this bad lives are going to happen. And so that greatly influenced the, the vote down there. And she said also Puerto Rican folks. And I said, I said, yeah, what about Puerto Ricans? Because if you just look at the way Trump treated the island after the hurricane was despicable. Withholding funds, ripping them apart. They were, they were, responsible for some of the problems they were having, not get, you know, uh, 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 doing a no bid contract to, a, to an electrical company that had never done anything near what was expected of them to do on the island post hurricane in the, in rebuilding it. Yeah. Uh, just some, some flunky organization, flunky uh, uh, electric, electrical company that no way was capable of doing this job. I mean, so many things he treated Puerto Rico poorly, and yet a great number of Puerto Ricans also voted for Trump. And and uh, but she kind of spoke to the same thing. There's a big marketing campaign. 
Um, she says a lot of folks have received funding to leave Puerto Rico and to come live here, and they didn't want that to end was one of her theories. So, oh, so many stories, so many stories that, uh, you know, if you look at the Latino vote and children being taken away from their families at the Mexican border, I mean, that's enough for anybody, not just Latinos, but anybody. How can you possibly, possibly say, yes, you've done a good job, leader. You deserve another four years. After all these shenanigans, all these wrongdoings, all these terrible things that he's done and been a part of, how can you possibly say, yes, I want four more of this chaos, four more years well, of this chaos? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because they, they saw information and they saw data uh, that, that showed that under the Obama administration that there were, you know, uh, cages at the border as well. Um, now, whether this was propagated misinformation or disinformation, I don't know, but there was, as a matter of fact, it even came up during one of the debates uh, where Trump even kind of hit back at Biden, like, hey, you guys did it too. And, and Biden couldn't really say anything against that. Um, however, the, the one point that, that he did bring up against him was that there wasn't a, a uh, was that they kept the families together. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a big point. That is. That's a gigantic point. You're talking about a two-year-old taken away from their parents, a number of them, and that you had no plan of, of getting them back together. There's still 587 yeah. some odd number of children that are, that can't, they can't find their families. So yes, the border is a complicated issue. Yes, every administration has detained certain uh, groups of people at the border, but the families were never broken up under Obama. The, the babies were not taken away and definitely babies weren't taken away as a sign to take back to your homeland to say, hey, don't, don't have anybody else come because we'll take your babies too. My goodness, what, what, who allows that? Yeah, yeah, bad leadership. Yeah. Bad leadership. Um, and then the other thought is, and, and I, I read an article, I meant to shoot it over to you, but it was interesting because it talked about how uh, the Latinos, especially down there in um, uh, uh, that Florida area, how many of them do not consider themselves to be a part of the minority yeah, makeup here in America, which right. is mind blowing to me. Yeah, and as you know, that's historically been true. Uh, yeah, a lot, and and that's again, yet again, race comes into play, where the push is away from the the group that that is treated poorly, and the the, the push is to be towards a group that is treated better, and it's just it's it's crazy, it's crazy, and and Asian folks also fall in line with that a lot of times is that they much rather uh, identify closer towards the white spectrum than the person of color spectrum, though they are in a similar place. Um, so again, there's no doubt that this, this, this presidency, this election came down to race, whether you want to admit it or not, or whether anybody wants to admit that or not, a lot of these elections do come down to race, but this one, this one chiefly so really came down to race. Can we deal with the, the, the other elephant in the room? Why does it take a state like Nevada so long to count to count votes? Why does it take a state like um, uh, Maine? You know, I mean, these small, yeah. like, is there really like political posturing among the states? And this is what I felt. I felt like there was this um, posturing among states who may have felt 
uh, ignored uh, right. by a lot of uh, uh, campaigns and candidates and races or what or whatnot uh, to say, hey, you know, we're important too. And next time around, right. you need to come make sure that you spend a little bit more time here. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Why it in is. the world? I mean, still even to this, I will know. I, I think last night, Nevada finally called it. But I mean, why is it taking so long? We're talking about California, yeah. who, who has right. potentially right. more people than, than Nevada, got right. it in right away. New York got it in that night. But Nevada, right. they said, we're not going to have the final one until November 12th. What? Eleven right. nine days after the election? That's insane right. to me. It is insane. And, and, and you're right. It is posturing. It is political posturing. And we hear it after every election, don't we? It's like, well, we want our vote to be relevant. Oh, we want our vote to be this. Just just get it done. Just get it just, done. It's not about you. Just get it done and move <laughs> forward. Yes. Do we need to get rid of the Electoral College? Absolutely. But we can't do everything at one time. Right. And so that doesn't mean, therefore, you act like a child instead of a, an elected political officer and do your job and get the get the votes counted, get them in and move on. But hey, speaking along those lines, I really was proud of our home here in Detroit that they withstood the onslaught of Trump supporters lying and spewing out false truths that, that the Detroit electoral process was tainted, which it was not. Uh, I volunteered at the polls uh, this year for the first time and thought it was fascinating. Took my two and a half hour class, thought it was fascinating. And, uh, you know, I had other friends that, that participated in it too. And they really spoke, like I had one friend, uh, Joe Rogowski, uh, said that he was in, he worked at the polls from 5 a.m. because you had to get there at 5 a.m. And then he stayed until 2 a.m. And he watched the whole process was a part of things. But the amazing thing was how the checks and balances were laid out. It's really hard to really disrupt our election the way that our election system is set up. Um, yes, there are some some computers at play in other locations and and different things, but the way the checks and balances are lit up as far as how manually these votes are counted, both the Democrat and Republican are are viewing. There's another potential within the building to have four Democrats, four Republicans, and four Independents be also viewing the whole process. Because uh, oftentimes you'll have many, uh, three or four different precincts in one building. So you have a certain number of people that are allowed in the building uh, um, legally. But just watching the whole process, I was so encouraged by our electoral process that, yes, it needs to be improved. Yes, we need to update it. Yes, we need to protect it a little bit more. Um, but that the, in, inherently, its essence of the system itself is excellent. And that's a big part of our democracy. You know, this election process, and, and that's fascinating because I learned more this go round than I have ever known about the process as, you know, in its totality. I didn't know that, you know, various parties can actually observe and overlook, yeah. you know, the counting of the ballots. I didn't know that, you know, I really hadn't really, I really didn't have a full grasp and understanding or appreciation of even how uh, the whole electoral college piece of it worked. And how someone who loses, such as Hillary Clinton 2016, can right. lose the popular vote, but I'm sorry, win the popular vote, right. but still lose the electoral college vote based right. on the amount of electors that are assigned to each state. Right. But then I also hear, heard this, um, that with the electoral college, even though the state or the um, uh, 
popular vote of the state goes one way, the electors don't have to right. submit their vote in accordance to what the people of the land actually said. Right. And I think what, what we're going to see here is with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's uh, uh, regime, I think because it's going to be really hard to get, especially depending on how the Senate goes, we still, as of today, we're going to have two runoffs in the Senate in Georgia. Um, so depending on huge, how the Senate, Senate huge goes. Huge runoffs too, huge. Huge, huge runoffs. But depending on how that goes, I think with, it, with the Electoral College, one way to get around with just disbanding it, period, is to do what many states did. We talked about this on a previous show. What many states have done is they've, they, the state itself has demanded and, and legally forced the elector, the electors of the electoral college, the, uh, the electorate of that uh, state that as goes the public, the popular vote of the state, the electoral vote must go the same way. So that's not in every state, but I think with leadership at the presidency, I think there, there's a possibility to make every state forced to do to, 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 to yield to the will of the people and the popular vote within the state, that would allow a little less red tape and a little less process to get the Senate and the House together to get to, to change the Electoral College altogether, at least as an interim, they can do it so that it, it, it reflects the, the, the will of the people. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I mean, just, just, just overall, you know, my daughter, she's in the fourth grade and she's 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 virtual school right now, but this is the moment where they are learning about the different uh, judicial branch or the different branches of government and everything else. And I find myself peeking my <laughs> peeking my ear in just here because I'll be honest, yeah. I kind of checked out of it when I was in school. Now I wish I hadn't because right. this is all coming into play and uh, I'm learning all over again some uh, 30 years later, <laughs> you know, through my daughter's experience and her being in the fourth grade. So it's, it, it is fascinating, as you said. Yeah, and, and it's complicated. There's a lot to it. You know, I, I've been following it for a long time, but I too learned a whole lot about it. And I was a political science major. I paid attention or whatever. And um, and there's a whole lot that I didn't know either. So, you know, I think I think better late than never for, for all of us. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Kamala Harris, the first woman vice president. I mean, for both you and I, who both have daughters, um, I mean, just such an amazing amazing moment yeah and daughters of color we absolutely. both have yeah. um it's a it's a big deal and just you know you're absolutely right in that order or not necessarily in that order but huh, you know women are amazing the black women vote the black female vote has been the backbone of the democratic party for so long and and stacy abrams is perfect uh um you know example of that uh, Kamala Harris is a great example of that. Look at her career. District attorney uh, in San Francisco, attorney general of California, senator uh, in DC, and now vice president. Um, it's amazing. And, I mean, look at what happened to Alabama a couple years ago. It, it, it's incredible. We are, we are truly blessed to have strong women in our country, in our state, in our lives, in our marriages. And um, yet again, we see that come out in the election. Let's talk about this because, you know, some, some, some may, some may venture to make this statement. Ah, uh, don't worry about it. Georgia will be back red next go round. You know, mm -hmm. I saw during this process, Brian, that 
Um, man, the Democrats, they do a lot of heavy lifting just to get people to get out and vote. I yeah. mean, like on the other side with Republicans, it's not even, it's like, this is what That's we right. do. We got it. Don't worry about it. You don't have to waste all this money talking about get the vote or get out the vote. Right. But on the other side of it, there is just like, there. it's like so much of our effort is not just in pushing the candidate. It right. is in pushing the fact we need you to take your souls to the polls. We need right. you to rock the vote, make sure you're registered to vote. Why is that? I mean, such a, such a complete same country, but a complete disconnect in terms of Right. Uh, you know, j j just that fact alone, like we got to spend so much time and effort and money and resources just to get people to show up. Well, I think there's many reasons for it. I think one is you have 200, 250 years of systemic oppression. And that means part, it's not just denying folks jobs, denying folks loans, denying folks financial opportunity, but it's also systemically. I mean, look how powerful Donald Trump was as one person. As one person, look at the power he yielded to influence others, to get others to to do to bend to his will. I mean, this one guy and all these people within that worked underneath him and were around him were scared to death of him. But take the so that's the power of the vote, power of governmental position, the power of leadership, governmental leadership. And let's say you put that governmental leadership over two hundred years to work to suppress. A faction of people to let the, to to overwhelmingly send the message to them: you're not worthy. You're not. Uh, it doesn't matter if you vote or not. You have to jump through all these hoops in order to be able to vote. Your it doesn't really matter. You for how many? What first time? We're in 2020, and this is the first time we've had a black woman be either a president or vice president. What does that say to the black community or the brown community? The Four years ago, we had the, the, the ending of the, the first black man being either a president or a vice president. So what does that say? For 200 years, we've done so much to tell women, black folks, brown folks, LGBTQ folks, any group you want to identify other than white male and white female, especially white male, we've told them you're not, it's going to be very difficult for you to do what you want to do. And so all these systems, not only have they been against these groups, but they've also gone the other way where they've been in favor of people like me, of white males. They've allowed me as white males to be part of the in-group or part of the group that is allowed to get the, 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 the loans. It's allowed to, 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 to grow wealth because I'm able to hold real estate and able to sell it and, 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 and gain real wealth, not, not that I'm gaining real wealth, but overall in general, Sure. White males have mm -hmm. had that opportunity, especially since World War II, uh, post-World War II. So to answer your question, that's a broad statement, but it's it's the system is set up that way to 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 not only is it difficult as a white male, as an hourly job um, or a white female or uh, to, to have an hourly job that where the wages are so below where they should be in 2020, that they have not technically, have not relatively been raised in the last 30 years, the, the, the minimum wage, I'm saying. Not only that, but now we're gonna make it really difficult for you to vote also. Over time, I'd, I'd be done with you, but like, it's not worth it. Why, why am I, well, how is it gonna change my life? And for me, that's the answer. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I mean, it's, it's, I, I am hopeful. I'm hopeful yeah. now that we have been afforded this opportunity to reset that we will see some significant changes to how things are done in America. And I think this was just the first step. You, you, you've said it before that, you know, um, we needed, we needed, we needed Joe Biden yeah. because we had gone so far. <laughs> we needed yeah. to kind of get somebody that's just going to get us back centered, be able to bring both sides together, be able to talk and be able to reason with one another. And I think that we have that opportunity with Joe Biden. Um, someone asked me on last Tuesday, how did I vote? And I'd already voted because I voted, I, I voted early. And I, and I said, I voted for decency. Yeah. That was, that was the, th that was the conviction. I, I don't know. Everybody has their own convictions and I'm not here, but I said, I voted for decency because right. I really wanted to see decency come back to the leadership of our, of our land. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we talked about a lot of different groups, but decency you would think would connect with the Christian vote throughout the country. But on that New York Times uh, list that you showed, the Christian vote, overwhelmingly, 80% the Christian vote went to Trump. 80% went to Trump, which is around 80%. It back it's around, because this it's, is... It's pretty big. This is... This is uh, phenomenal. I think it was near the bottom, but it was unbelievable. And again, all the things we've talked about, all the things that I named, if you're just evaluating job performance by itself, from a Christian standpoint, it's not even close. And, and Joe Biden, the guy of decency, and yet they still go with the monster. Yeah. Uh, it's unbelievable. Trying to find that section here. Um, no, I must have missed it. I don't. So, so how do you feel as a as a pastor? I mean, you're representative of the, the 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 Christian, you know, part a part of Christianity. Um, what are your thoughts on on that overall? Obviously, you, know, you can't paint, paint Christianity with just one broad stroke. Obviously, yeah. But in general, you're you you know you're you're more astutely aware than most as to the impact of the the, the Christian community. And how do you feel about all that? Yeah, you know, I am. Uh, you know, I, I well, first of all, I was thankful that I saw something kind of really play out uh, in this particular uh, election cycle, and that was. Um, the segmenting of of, Christ, of, of of Christians and white evangelicals. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, just as there has been um, this awakening is, you know, over the last four years to be able to see that there is a difference between the Republican Party and your starch Trump supporters. Right. Um, I was happy to see that there was, you know, given this this uh, slicing of, of, of um, you know, Christians and white evangelicals. And that's what you see here in this particular- There you go, yep. snat. 
are you a white evangelical or are you a white evangelical or white born again Christian? And right. that's where you see, you know, that like, I think there's a difference. I think there is a difference between the two, the Christian and the white evangelicals. Yeah, the core- 70, is 76%. Yep. 76% to 23%, but then it says all others, 60 right. to 37. So yeah, I mean, right, it's still right, an right. overwhelming large amount, but with, with, the, with a specific slant towards me, I feel very hopeful, man. I really, really do. I, I, I feel um, uh, very optimistic about what it is that we have um, before us. Uh, a chance to really get this thing right um, so that our children can see that uh, the running or the governing of our land is not a reality TV show. Right. Can't, you can't uh, create policies with your thumbs on the platform of Twitter. You right. can't be laying in the bed and just, you know, at three o'clock in the morning, you know, and saying, you know, these things from the comfort of your bed and you're supposed to be the highest governing official of our entire land. I mean, over 350 million, 370 million people, um, literally it rises and falls on you, <laughs> on right. you. The buck stops with you. And this is what you're doing? Like this, right. like that, to, for me, that that is what I needed to just, I needed that to leave 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Right. Uh, right. Just get us back to a place to where again, decency can be back in the Oval Office uh, to where the West Wing is not a, is, is not the Ringling Brothers Barnum yeah. circle, Circus, but that we actually can see, you know, some real dialogue from both sides because, right. you know, and I've, I've shared this with you before. I mean, there are things on both sides of the political sphere that sure. identify with me, that identify with my uh, makeup, that are, are are big in terms of my my core convictions, um, because there isn't just one thing that just really settles me on either side. However, right. largely I have voted uh, uh, largely Democratic because I feel like those are the policies that we have in place that can best help the most people. And at the end of the right. day. That's what I care about. I want to see right. the most people be able to receive the most help that they right. can possibly get to be able to put us all on an even playing field. And and that's a great point. And and I would definitely be open to do to to voting a Republican way or a conservative way, even though I'm a I'm a, a liberal. If these ideas were new ideas that that were for the greater good, that yeah. helps everyone. That's all I want too. I That's want I everyone want. to to benefit from the policies I play because we got a lot of issues. We got a lot of problems that you know. If you're running a country of 300 plus million people, like you said, and it, you know, geographically we have different regions that have different needs and different different um, you know circumstances. We it's it's a difficult job to be the president. It's a difficult job to run the government that 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 governs all of us and all this stuff that goes down. So as you say. Just give me stuff that will help everyone so that all ships will rise. That's what I want. That's right. And that's why at this moment, it's the it's the Democratic Party that are that are breaking their backs trying to do that. And I appreciate that effort. Yeah. I mean, you know, I can't leave just the historic nature of, of this thing. I mean, we're, we're talking about 74 million, million, million 
votes were casted for Joe Biden. We're talking yep. about 70 plus million votes were cast for uh, Donald Trump. I mean, we're almost a hundred, a hundred million people in early voting by itself. That's just amazing. That's just amazing. Yeah. Mm. We had another big thing that happened um, this week, and that is people are still oh. dying to this incredible in record numbers in record. droves. I mean, we thought March, we thought April was bad. I mean, the, the way it's getting now, the way it's being reported right now, and I know we haven't seen much of it, but I've kept my my nose to the uh, to the black and white print on it because it's it's just as important. The news cycles, of course, have been covering rightfully yeah. so um, right. the the post election week that we have had. But man, this virus is still infecting people, and I just feel like you know I know our audience may not be in the millions of people, but it's our responsibility, Brian, to to help influence the ears that do listen to make sure we're doing the right thing. Uh, wear a mask, it's, listen, stay at home if you don't have to leave. Make sure that you're staying socially distant from people. Have respect and common courtesy for people who may, I mean, I had, I, I, I'll share this story, man. We, we, my wife and I, we were kind of thinking about whether or not we we're gonna take the kids out trick-or-treating. Last weekend was Halloween. and. And so we said, okay, because so many of our people in our in our neighborhood were saying, hey, we'll put tables at the end of the driveway and you know, you don't have to come up to the door and all this other stuff. So we said, okay, it'd be cool. And I mean, I had a I, he's a friend, he's he's in he's in the neighborhood, he's someone who I have kind of built a relationship with over this past past uh, summer. And I mean, I hadn't seen him in a long time because we've just kind of just kept to like we created a bubble here in our home. Right. And uh, he sees us, he's, and, I, and I reach out my, my fist to, to, for a fist bump. Mm -hmm. And he says, oh, no, come on, bring it in. And he comes for me. Uh, and then he does the same thing for my wife. And I'm uh, like, so I say that to say this. Yeah. Have the common courtesy to respect people's boundaries. Make sure we go back to communication one-on-one. -on -one. Read the room, follow their lead. You know, right. if somebody reaches out for a fist bump or an elbow, let that be that. You know, don't, right. don't, 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 don't impose yourself during this season because there's just so much going on. And that's a great point. And it's really interesting when I see when I'm out in public, the people, you know, you kind of observe how people, um, the ones that don't, I, I, I especially observe the people who don't wear a mask. Yeah. And there's always a few. But it's really interesting because they're kind of on edge. They kind of seem to be just waiting for somebody to say something. And then I've seen a couple of confrontations where people from a store or whatever will say, you know, excuse me, sir. And usually it's sir. I don't see a whole lot of women without masks, but it's usually men, white men. Uh, every once in a while, a black guy that I've seen. But uh, but it'll be their reasoning. And you listen, if you listen to their reasoning, you listen to the response, it's all about them. Mm. It's all about I don't have to. You can't make me. Uh, the governor of Michigan was proved to be wrong. Uh, me, 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 me. Yeah. And but as you say, it's about all of us. It's about the community. You should be right. thinking about the community first. That's right. Donald, Donald Trump did not do that. He's not the, the one that created that mindset. But if we can get back to that mindset of thinking of each other, I think, you know, 
we've seen that many times in our history in the United States. We've thought about each other. Uh, unfortunately, it hasn't gone all the way through and, and made big, diff big changes racially. But overall, if we think about the greater good in everything that we do, we'll be much better off. Yeah, no, I believe it. I believe it. And I'm and I'm longing to see that day. <laughs> I'm longing yeah. to see that day, you know. Yeah. Well, I tell you, what a what a week. And I, I think I <laughs> he's got about, I mean, he's 0 for 9, but he's still got these lawsuits that are going out. I think that we're still gonna think we're still gonna be faced with a lot of uh Trumpia headlines uh yeah. even today and in the upcoming week. But um one thing with, with our taxpayer money. With our he, taxpayer money. He's got to save his money because he's got a whole lot of other lawsuits personally that are coming at him yeah. uh, as of January 21st. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you so know, we'll see. as my grandmother would say, one thing's for certain, two things for sure. <laughs> we, we haven't heard the last from, from Donald J. Trump. That's right. Um, this was a thing, and I'll say this and then, and then, we, can, and then we can part ways. But... <laughs> They say, they, they say, Brian, this is serious. I can't make this stuff up. They say that he is, that he is, he's getting ready for a 2024 run. Yeah. He, well, it'd be, that's going to be hard to do from a jail cell. So, but, but we'll see. We'll see. Cause I, you know, if he goes to jail, he's going to lose his right to vote. And that's going to really hurt it. That'll hurt his chances uh, of, uh, of making a run in 2024. So maybe he'll call uh, to Mike Bloomberg and see if Mike Bloomberg can, uh, can uh, waive his fees so that he can re be reinstated and vote again. Who knows? Right, right. But we'll see. This was the interesting piece because when I heard that, and I didn't even think about the jail piece, but because that is valid and true. When I heard that, I said, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> we should have just let him stay. We just let him just have eight years. Because four years from now, I do not want to have to see this sideshow again. I hadn't thought about that either. So thanks for bringing that up and just ruining my day. But uh... <laughs> well, on that note, on that note, hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Preacher and the Catcher. I'm Devin Goff, The Preacher, and that is Brian Johnson, The Catcher. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Thank you so very much. Appreciate you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Preacher and the Catcher podcast. Before you go, we'd like to humbly ask if you might take a little time to like us on our Facebook page, The Preacher and the Catcher. We would also appreciate it if you might offer a positive review on iTunes or wherever you receive your podcast. If you would like to send us a message, you can use our email address, which is contact at thepreacherandthecatcher.com. If you would prefer to send a tweet, you can find us on Twitter with at PreacherCatcher. Lastly, we would like to thank our musical director, D. Duran Goff, and our producer, Drew Michael, and Branch Creative Studios. It has been an honor to have you here with us. We hope you come back for another one of our podcasts soon.